Okay, I'm connected to something. I don't know if I'm connected to the radio broadcast or not. This is dead air time. If you're hearing my voice, type something into the chat room. <laughs> there seems to be some change in settings at Liberty Radio Live so that I was unable to go on with the regular connection number or Skype. And so I dialed an old number that we used to use, and now I've got a blank line. So I can't tell if I'm being recorded or heard or not. I'm getting some static on the line. If you're hearing me, uh, type it into the chat room. I'm not in the chat room, <laughs> but uh, I'll see if I can get to the chat room <laughs> and find out what happened to... Liberty Radio Live and why we were unable to connect through the normal means. Uh, let's see here. Hold down and connect. Because we've got a two hour show we wanted to do, and we probably aren't going to have enough time to cover all of our topics. And suddenly we were unable to connect to our uh, regular connection, and so we're trying uh, other means uh, of doing this, and I don't know if I've connected or not. Uh, we're going to connect here and see if I can get into the chat room, and then if I do, because I don't have my co-host with me because I dialed in, he's on the other line trying to find out what happens the way we normally get online and I'm pulling into Liberty Radio Live to see if oh we're going to try to load the chat room here and we'll see if I'm actually talking to somebody or if I'm an invisible individual here talking to nobody on the radio <laughs> That room is loading. Technology. Wonderful thing. Terrible thing. Okay. Okay, I can see that uh, Claude has said that Brother Gregory has had trouble connecting. Typing is always a hard thing to do. Oops. So, we'll see. Okay, so you can hear me. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> So we do have audio. We're starting the show. Okay, Isabel says yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, so uh, evidently I called in with the uh, 88 number instead of the normal number, 44 number, and uh, we've made a connection. So somehow somebody's changed settings, and uh, uh, we're off on uh, Keys of the Kingdom. And... Uh, of course, uh, none of my notes are available right now because I'm in another location <laughs> trying to make this connection. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll move forward anyway. Do you have any questions uh, that in the chat room? Uh, 
uh, I see Paul is. I'm going to have to disconnect him on the other line somehow because now we got both lines already. <laughs> uh, just a second. We're, we'll do some technical button pushing. Hopefully, we will not disconnect you. If we do, I'll be right back. Okay, we're back, I hope. Okay. Uh, so I now have my regular line open, and I'll be using this line. Uh, but if you have any questions, you have to do it on the chat room because we will not have a call-in number today unless we can change something at the break. Uh, so uh, we were talking about the kingdom of God, what it looks like, how do we find it, and the key probably instead of uh, trying to figure out what the kingdom looks like intellectually is to simply go by that conscience that God has given you and seek righteousness because that's part of the instructions and if you remove the part of the instructions from anything usually you're going to have a problem you cannot just line item veto part of the instructions part of the uh, agreement that we have with God that if we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness then we might be believing in Christ if we are not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness how can we dare say that we believe in Christ because he said to do that if you are a preacher or a minister of God a disciple of God you need to be following his instructions Go ye and preach. The kingdom of God is at hand. Preach it to all nations, all people. Most people don't realize it, but Israel was supposed to be a priest to all nations. Why? To get them to join Judaism, religion, so that we all, you know, have uh, our long locks and and wobble at the wailing wall and uh, wear funny hats and, I mean, what... What does it mean to be a priest to all nations? It's to be a sample, an ensample, of what that kingdom of God looks like. All your ministers should be walking in the Holy Spirit all the time. And I don't know anybody who does that all the time. But Anyway, I just heard from uh, uh, Arthur. I think that was. Uh, so anyway, we're we're off. I'm I'm connected only by phone. Uh, Paul can get off. Uh oh, somebody says no audio now. Uh, okay, I don't know if I've been disconnected, but they say no audio. Can anybody hear me? <laughs> if not, they're not going to answer. <laughs> Okay, we're back on again, I guess. Okay. Uh, okay, so there was a disconnection while he was resorting out things there at the studio. And, okay, it's back. Okay, we're on. 
an important message. We don't want to be missing parts of it, or somebody might lose their way. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, I'm, I'm glancing over at the chat room. So uh, uh, anyway, if you if you have a question, put a couple question marks in front of it. Otherwise, I probably will not read all the little things that are flipping by my screen here. <laughs> Anyway, we're, I'm going to pull up some of what I had as notes, and maybe we can uh, get into this topic. Uh, we're coming up on the half-hour mark, so we're probably going to end up with about an hour and a half to deliver a message that took Christ three years to tell everybody. But one of the things that uh, that we need to realize is these uh, concepts of seeking the kingdom, what it means, uh, what love is, what righteousness looks like and really and I talk about going back to kindergarten yeah, a small child a lot of times has a better view as long as he's not involved in the equation <laughs> has a better view of what is righteous if he's observing it in others if it has to do with himself he, his, his view is often distorted by his own demand for service from others you know I mean he's been waited on since he was a child probably Sometimes a little bit of hard times in our life will give us a, a better view of what righteousness is because we have confronted unrighteousness, which is why there is evil in the world. If there was no evil in the world, then how would we know good? There has to be this opportunity, and I said that earlier in the show on Blog Talk that there has to be this contrast between good and evil. There is this choice between good and evil. But if we use the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where we alone, with our own brains and minds, begin to calculate out what is right, what is wrong, then we're eating of the tree of knowledge. And eating of the tree of knowledge can lead to a great deal of trouble. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, wife and children, and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, whenever you hear Jesus talking about disciple, he is talking about the ministers of the kingdom. He was coming to form his government. He was coming to pick men who would not exercise authority one over the other. That was one of the great temptations that Christ was facing with Satan himself. And they tell us about the temptations of Christ so that we would know what temptations we would face. It's the same temptations that Saul faced and fell, and David faced and fell and fell and repented and repented. And it is the temptation of Cain to exercise authority one over the other, to get up on the pedestal that men want to put you on, the pedestal trap, the trap of putting you up as somebody who's important, somebody who should be looked to, no no, the ministers do not want to be looked to. The ministers and disciples of Christ do not want you to look to them. 
They want you to look to Christ. Now, there's a lot of men out there who are professing Christ and saying you have to put Christ first, but really they mean after me, put Christ first. And they covet you as members of their congregation. And they put great importance on the fact that they have a congregation. They have a church. And they need not to do that. They need to do just the opposite of that. They need to be willing to preach the gospel of the kingdom even if their own congregation hates them. Because they don't love their congregation more than they love the righteousness of God. And they will rebuke their congregation. They will scold their congregation. They will not make life easy for their congregation, especially to keep their congregation. Okay, so evidently we're going to try to switch the way we're doing this at the break, which is coming up rather soon. But until I, I hopefully I'll hear the music and the ding, and we'll know that we're going into break. But I'll be ready to do it. Now Paul has to give me the instructions. Do I call him? <laughs> Does he call me? Uh, so anyway, we're going to try to get into this topic of what that means, what that looks like to be a disciple of Christ and to really believe in Christ and believe in his kingdom and to know the difference between the governments of men and the government of God because that difference is the government of God is not just another political party. It's not a government like the governments of the world but with God. It is completely the reverse. It is completely the opposite. It's completely on the other side of the equation. It is actually really, in, in some metaphoric way, it is not even in the equation. It is the government of men that are in the equation of the government of God. Because the government of God is everywhere. And, you know, there, you will not understand this by all the things that I say. You will understand it when... You let God into your heart. And we're going to talk a great deal about what it looks like when you're not letting God into your heart so that you can eliminate all the lies. Get back. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet. 
or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the kingdom of God, what it is, and what it is not. That's very important to know that the kingdom of God is something that you have to find first in the spiritual realm. You cannot join the church and be a part of the kingdom of God. You cannot be put in prison and taken out of the kingdom of God. You cannot be... Uh, in the kingdom of God simply by your own efforts. You cannot earn the kingdom of God. You cannot do something that will make it so that God has to let you into the kingdom of God. God lets you into the kingdom by grace. And the kingdom is not a place. It's not an organization. We talk about His Holy Church a lot of times here. His Holy Church is not a corporate organization in the sense of corporate organizations exist in the world today. It is the body of Christ, and Christ was spiritual. He was also in truth, in flesh, in spirit and flesh, and in truth. That's what it means in flesh and in truth. It means it was also in this reality that we live in and bump into each other in. 
that Christ was actually made in flesh here on this earth. But he also was spiritual, and you cannot get into the kingdom unless you enter the kingdom in spirit and in truth. And the, where that journey begins is really inside you. And you can't make it happy. And you can't say, well, I'm going to repent. I'm going to now, I'm going to repent. I wasn't repenting before, but I've decided I'm going to repent. You're, that's all going on up in your head. That you're just jumping around in the tree of knowledge. You really have to change your heart. And you can't change it because you don't know what to change it to. So it has to be changed in you. And if you're going to have somebody changing the heart in you, it has to be Christ himself. Because he's the only one who's got the blueprint of how you want to change that heart. So 90% of what we tell you about the kingdom is telling you what it is not like. No, nope, that's not it. There's an old story about a guy who is in the army, he's drafted, and he walks around picking up pieces of paper on the ground all the time, and he picks them up, and nope, that's not it, and he throws them in the trash, and he goes and he picks up another one, nope, that's not it. And he just does this all the time. Every time he has a break, every time he's not uh, being out in training or working, he's just walking around picking up these pieces of paper and throwing them away. He doesn't socialize or anything. All he does is pick up these pieces of paper, look at them both sides, and throws it away. And they, they start watching him and they send him to a psychiatrist and even when he's in the psychiatrist's office if he sees a piece of paper he has to pick it up, look at it and then he puts it back down. That's, that's not it. And then finally they said, this guy is nuts. We can't have him in the army and they gave him a section eight and they handed it to him and he picked it up and he says, oh, that's it. It's that looking. Somebody else has to give it to you but you have to look. And you have to be willing to admit, nope, that's not it. Because as soon as you think that's it, you stop looking. And when you stop looking and you haven't found it, you're done. <laughs> you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to remain trapped in the reality that you are now in. You have to be willing, as we talk about it, look outside the box. The reality... The absolute reality of the kingdom is you never stop looking. In my father's house, there are many mansions. And you never get through all of them. There are many, many layers to the kingdom of heaven. You're always looking. But if you find bits and pieces of that, this is, you know, this is part of the trail. I know. I see my father's footprints here, and I want to walk with him. And I want to walk in his ways. So again, most of the time, we can talk about his ways, too, because we know it's the ways of righteousness, and we can say, well, this is righteous. But really, more often than not, the minister is going to be telling you what is not righteousness. So you know that you're getting off the path. Because you don't need a priesthood to lead you in the ways, just to lead you away from the ways that are not the ways. To avoid the quicksand, avoid the, the the pitfalls. The sheep, when they walked through the valley of the shadow of death, which was an actual valley over there in Israel, and it was very rocky and, and um, 
it was a kind of a dangerous place. Predators could be there hiding. There were places where an animal could fall or hurt itself. It was between pastures, a high pasture and a low pasture. So the shepherd would have to lead his sheep through there. And it was, you know, in those days, to lead the sheep a long distance, they can only travel so many miles a day, and then it becomes a real difficult journey for a sheep because he's not carrying a you know a canteen and all these kinds of things. So they have to move, and they have to move along a line, usually a narrow path, and they need a shepherd to kind of say, well, don't go that way, go this way. And he just stands there between wherever there's a danger. And I've, I've been there, and we have... When we move the sheep from one part of the desert to back here again, there's some places it's not so dangerous, but they might go into a neighbor's yard. <laughs> so, so we always have somebody who runs up to the neighbor's yard because they have this nice green grass down there, and the sheep might just say, let's go in there. <laughs> so we'll go there and uh, stand in the gap so they, they don't go where they shouldn't be going because that's not where they need to be. And... We do that a lot of time. You know, don't go that way. That's dangerous. Don't go that way. Yeah, it looks nice and green, but you will not find your way home. There's no water there. There's no, there, there, you know, there's no protection, and the neighbor may come out and chase you away, although they, they don't. They're actually our, kind of our resident assistants, because sometimes the sheep decide to come back here all on their own, and they say, oh, the sheep are coming home. They give us a call. <laughs> And we have to run out there and take them back where they're supposed to be. But there are dangerous places out here that sheep should not go, and we try to bar them from that by standing in the gap. And that's the job of a minister. So what does it look like to be a part of the kingdom? What doesn't it look like? Well, again, you're seeking the kingdom and the righteousness of God, and the law in the kingdom is the law of God. And we have guideposts such as the Ten Commandments, which is really, if you go into the Greek and look at the word commandments, it actually is just that, guidepost. You know, there's you have to look at the actual letters and, and, and figure this out. It's not laws like we think of laws. I mean, for, as an example, when they give you the Ten Commandments, they don't give you the penalties. You know, if you do this, then this is the penalty, although they, they make reference to it. If you don't honor your father and your mother your days may not be long upon the land. And, of course, we know as you judge, so shall you be judged. So if you kill others, then I guess the penalty is is that now you're subject to that kind of same death. If you're murdering people, you may be murdered. But it's really God gave us those Ten Commandments to guide us. You know, if you're killing people and murdering people or hiring other people to kill for you, and, of course, we know there are millions of abortions in America, and and, and it just not pick on America, pick on any country, uh, that countries all over the world engage in wars for political advantage, for political ideologies. I mean, churches were engaging in wars, killing tens of thousands of people, uh, even killing their own people in inquisitions, and yet claiming to be a part of Christ a part of his church that they were claiming to be his disciples while they were torturing and murdering people by the thousands by the millions that's not 
It's pretty easy to look at that and say that's not the church. But modern churches out there, are they tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, which Christ said were the weightier matters? No. And I gave an example before on the radio, and I was talking to somebody the other day. I know a judge. His name is, uh, well, I won't tell you his name right on the air, but anyway, it's very much like my own name, but it's not his first name, it's his last name. <laughs> but anyway, he, he works out of Prineville, and he stole his neighbor's property, a small piece of land, and he simply filed on it. He asked the guy if he could run a pipe across there, and the guy said, sure. And then, uh, to, in order to irrigate out of a ditch, because it was easier, and then he filed on that property as if he owned it. The other guy owned it. It belonged to, I think, his parents before, if I remember right. And all of a sudden, the guy decides, you know, after a period of time that he wanted to sell the property, needed the money, and he went to this judge and told him, that, can you, you know, have to rearrange and put your pipes back the other way they used to be, which is a little bit longer, but he could do it. And the guy said, no, this property is my property now. And he said, what do you mean? It's my property. I haven't sold it to you. I just said you could, you know, run those pipes across. You know, I gave you permission. He says, no, it's my property. And as a matter of fact, you're trespassing. And he said, well, and he had to, so the guy says, well, I've taken the court. I've, you know, I've got the deed. I haven't signed anything over to him. I, and he went to court. Cost him $10,000 trying to get this into court. Kept changing things, and he kept having to pay a lawyer. And the reason he wanted to sell the property is because he needed the money, and now he's already spent $10,000 to try to get it back. And the people at the courthouse knew that this was just shenanigans, but they said, you know, what can we do? He's a judge. Like he's a prince or king. Well, of course he is. And why is he? Because you people who go to church have let him become a king and a prince over the people. You have made him a ruling judge, and he is corrupt in what he is doing. He is not seeking righteousness. But neither, neither are all the churches in Prineville. Every single church in Prineville is not doing what Christ said because they didn't do anything about that. They let that judge do that. Now you think about it. Okay, you got... What, 1,000, 2,000 people go to church on a regular basis? He went in there and he said, look, here's the case. This is my property. You know, went to church and said, this is my property. Here's, here's the deed. There's where I signed. And this is what he filed that says nothing to do with me. I didn't sign any of this. I haven't given up this property. He hasn't had any contract. He hasn't paid me anything. But he's just claiming it. And he's getting away with it because I have to hire a lawyer in order to fight this because no Christians will tend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. So I'm, I'm pleading with you to do what Christ said and tend to the weightier matters. Let's go down to the courthouse. You think if you had a hundred people show up with him and say, what is going on here? This land is his. We've looked at the paperwork. Is there corruption in this courthouse? What is going on here? Do you think that the cockroaches wouldn't have fled the light of that reality and he would have got his land back? They don't want a 100 people showing up. And if those were real Christians there in Primeville, 1,000 people, 10,000 people would have showed up. 
I tell you, you would start to get justice in your courtrooms. I was just a small piece of vacant lot land worth, you know, maybe fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. But he just couldn't afford to fight it anymore. Lawyer wanted to be paid up front because the lawyer's not interested in justice, he's interested in his pay. Because we live in that kind of society. We don't live in the kingdom. We live in a society based on vice, not virtue. And that's where we're going to take this conversation so you start seeing you are not accepting Jesus Christ. You are not believing in Jesus Christ unless you are struggling and fighting for righteousness. And and when I say fighting, I mean actually getting up and showing up and being there and willing to say, I don't think this is right to those people that you think are doing wrong and willing to take the flack. It could have been that the guy was lying and then when you actually went down to the courtroom and say, here's the evidence that we see, we hundred people, we thousand people, we ten thousand people. I tell you, if you just did that a little bit, the entire courtroom would change. When I was in the Boy Scout, we had a scout master. There was no Boy Scout troop where I went to school, so I had to go across to another uh, uh, community to join the Boy Scouts. And uh, I didn't know anybody there. And the scoutmaster was rather a low life. I mean, he would take a fifth of whiskey with him to camping trips and share it with some of the boys. And there was a lot of filthy talk and dirty magazines coming with all the boys because the men would approve of this, or at least the scout master allowed it. And anyway, uh, he was eventually stepped down and retired shortly after I was there, but I saw the corruption that was going on anyway. And another person who had been there all the time was now scoutmaster. Entire spirit of the troop changed. The the decadent, wicked young men who were there stopped coming too. There was no whiskey <laughs> at the campfires. <laughs> and the magazines weren't tolerated. And everything changed. Now, I, I'm, I'm amazed that the men who were already a part of that scout troop hadn't done something about that earlier, but uh, finally when they were now in charge things change but the fact is you guys are all in that community if you're going to be the government of God you start being the government of God now how do you get this if you go into all those churches in Prineville poor poor Prineville I'm picking on it doesn't matter you can be in anywhere else uh, small village what what do they call it Smallville (laughs) where Superman lives Uh, and you went into the churches and you said this well that's none of our concern but we'll pray for you. Boy, I tell you, when Christ comes to that church, they're in a lot of trouble. They're in a lot of trouble. As much, if not more, trouble than the Pharisees. Because they've had Christ and the message of Christ and the gospel of Christ. So all those churches are in serious trouble but we're not judging them we're trying to bring the light to them 
We're not picking on them. Yeah, they've incorporated under the state. Terrible. You know, fifteenth chapter of the book Covenants of the Gods, I deal with that. But just because you don't incorporate under the state doesn't make you the Church of Christ. You actually have to be doing what Christ said and really believing in Him in every aspect of your relationships with each other and with Christ. And those relationships will manifest righteousness in everything that you do. And we we are not doing that. People are not keeping their words. They are lying. They are deceiving. They are agreeing when they don't agree. The kingdom of God is requires virtue. Now I read, if any man comes to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, of his own life also he cannot be one of my disciples. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Each of you are going to have a burden. Each of you are going to be tempted. Each of you are going to have to play your part in doing the will of the Father. And whatever you do, it needs to be righteous. Even when Peter was asked, does your master pay the tax, and Peter was wrong and spoke up out of turn, Christ still made him pay the tax because he said it. So if you make an agreement, you need to abide in that agreement. You need to be honorable. And if you resist being honorable in what you agree to, even the unrighteous mammon, if you have agreed to the unrighteous mammon and are part of the unrighteous mammon, the entrusted wealth of the people, part of, and we talk about this in the book Covenants of the Gods and other articles, you can look on the, the website at hisholychurch.org and just look these things up in the search engine up there in the right-hand corner. If you are a part of that, you need to be friends with that unrighteous mammon. Be honorable so that when it fails, and it will fail, you will be suitable for more righteous habitation. So the kingdom of God, there's a couple of things that we see that are the distinction between the kingdoms of the world is the kingdoms of the world force your neighbors to contribute to your welfare. You force your neighbors through the power and exercising authority of those men who call themselves benefactors but are actually not benefactors. They're just simply forcing other people to provide you with benefits. The kingdom of God being the absolute antithesis of that, it operates entirely by faith, hope, and charity. And when you see a need, you fill it with that faith, hope, and charity. Because pure religion is caring for the widows and orphans and needy of your society, the people that are a part of the kingdom of the world who are in trouble and hungry and, and need care are not really your first concern. Now, I'm not saying they aren't your concern, but they are not your first concern. Your first concern are those people that are a part of your congregation because you have created an obligation to them. You have told them that you will be there for them. Now, 
when we set up a, a his church congregation, his church of record, your agreement is with the minister. It is not an un uh, 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 an unincorporated association, and it's very important. It's a it's a form of association, but it's not an unincorporated association in legal terms. If you look up the word association in some uh, thesauruses, you will find the word celebrate as a synonym of associate. And that's what the congregation is. It is a celebration, not an association. And what are we celebrating? The Eucharist of Christ. The opportunity of giving. Thankfully giving. So we are not an unincorporated association. We are an unincorporated well, actually, we are an incorporated, uh, in one sense, we are an incorporated <laughs> celebration, but the incorporation is with Christ only. And if they want any testimony on that, they'll have to subpoena Christ, <laughs> because he's the one who's going to determine whether you are celebrating. You as an individual will de determine who is in your congregation, because you will celebrate his needs. And, and celebrate the fulfilling of his needs if they are legitimate needs. But you won't just give him what he wants. You'll give him what he needs. And what he needs is maybe a kick in the pants. If he only wants to work at a job that makes him happy and therefore he can't pay his rent and he wants you to pay his rent for him because he wants to be happy rather than to earn his living and carry his cross, Remember, that was the verse after uh, Luke 14.26, 14.27, And whoever doth not bear his cross, come after me, and come after me cannot be my disciple. So we don't celebrate making him weak by paying his rent when he should be taking up his cross. If we do, we do him a disservice. Now, we've had a situation like that, and somebody didn't quite understand what true church is all about. Now, we're not talking about somebody who's starving on the side of the road, who's uh, beat up in the ditch. We're talking about somebody who did not work, chose to not work, chose not to do jobs that were before him, and still wanted to live in the lifestyle that he was used to when he did work. We can't strengthen the poor with the idea that giving to him is charity. So we need to be responsible in the Eucharist of Christ that we give what strengthens the poor. Otherwise, we are no different than the rest of the world. We're going to get a lot more in-depth in this when we come back. We probably won't get this whole subject covered, but we're going to work on it. So then, God bless You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, 
books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for His people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. listen to me. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. talking about what the kingdom is and what the kingdom is not. In Luke 14, it says, The Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. This is the problem with modern church today is that they are not actually seeking the kingdom. They think they got it already, but they are actually more like the Pharisees and the kingdoms of the world. As a matter of fact, they depend entirely on the kingdom of the world. When they need justice, they go to the gods of the world, the ruling judges of the world. Uh, They don't go to church. When they need uh, social welfare, they don't go to church. When they need any kind of assistance, they don't go to church. That's not our business. We're just here to make you think you're saved. That's what they're telling you. Now, some of those people might really be journeying towards the kingdom and the ways of Christ that are in those churches, and they need some of those people in order to create the illusion that everybody is there. That's why you go to these churches and 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. Other people give donations, but there's so many in some of those churches that uh, the, the donations that they give is adequate to make the preacher rich. But the reality is, they are not. In the kingdom of God, every member of a congregation is a part of the work ethic of that congregation. They all have to participate. There is nobody who gets to be a pew warmer in the kingdom. They all have to be a part of the kingdom of God by being a part of their congregation and celebrate the Eucharist of Christ by taking care of one another. 
I don't care what you think your theology is. If you're not doing that, you haven't met Christ. You don't know Christ. Because he did that. He was Christ and he washed the feet of his apostles. He was Christ and he served them. He came to serve. If you're in a congregation and you are not trying in some way, shape, or form to serve one another in real ways that strengthens everybody, then you're not really in that congregation and you're not celebrating. Celebrating is not just singing. Great to have some time off to sing. Come to our Feast of Tabernacles next year. Come to be a part of it. Come to really celebrate by giving something of yourself to that celebration. Bring something you will share. If you if you have musical talent, bring that and sing to your heart's content. If you have knowledges and skills, bring that. If you have wares that you want to come and share with others, even in an almost commercial venue. I mean, obviously, a laborer should be worthy of his hire, and if you're giving what you've labored to produce, they should be more than glad to pay you. But we're not into it for commercial. We're into it because the laborer is worthy of his hire, and there's a difference. And this is one of the major problems with seeking the kingdom is people don't understand the distinctive difference between the character of the individual that is in the kingdom and seeking that kingdom and the character of the individual who is not seeking that kingdom, even though he's got his eschatology all lined up with somebody else. And it's usually very important to these individuals to line up other people that will agree to their catechisms. They can't do this on their own. The walk to the kingdom is an individual walk. What binds you together is a common love of Christ, not a love for each other. Yet we are to love one another as Christ loved us. And that is through the character of God that he loved us. I mean, when he said to Peter, get ye behind me, Satan, he was doing it out of love. We are to rebuke one another out of love. And that rebuke takes courage. It doesn't take lots of people. It takes courage. Individually. It would be great if you had lots of people and that may be necessary at times. But you should be able to, if you have a complaint with anybody, you should be able to take it to them one-on-one exactly in the form in which you are going to take it to the rest of the world, you present it to them one-on-one. And face them. You don't need to make a big fanfare out of it. You should just have the courage to just do it. I mean, is it right or not? Why do you need other people to back you up if it's right? Now, the reason you do go and get other people sometimes and bring it to their attention is if they haven't already accepted... It, when you brought it to the, their attention by yourself. That you want to give them every opportunity to rethink this. And, you know, in the council of many, there is a wisdom. So you bring in others. And lo and behold, I have already seen this where somebody went to get somebody else to come with them to complain about something that their brother was doing. And the one they went to get started saying, well, wait a minute, I don't think you're in the right. <laughs> I think he is in the right, and you're wrong. <laughs> And you know what they usually do? Well, i got to go find another brother who agrees with me. (laughs) 
and they're they're free to do that. But this should all be done in the open, you know, not secretly. You've already gone to them with your complaint. Now, you know, really, that's about injuries to you, but the precept can spill over into other activities and other. Uh, you know, if you see some your brother doing something that's not, maybe not injuring you but maybe injuring him because he's an heir. And you want to bring it to his attention, but he doesn't believe you. Well, then go find another brother so that he believes him. You know, and you should always be, you know, asking your brothers to help test you, to rebuke you. You know, the brother who doesn't tell you you're doing something wrong. I mean, if somebody comes... You know, for three years now, you've been saying this, and that is so wrong. Three years? Five years? Seven years? And you never said anything? <laughs> Where is the love in that? You see, you will speak up if you love your neighbor. You say, you know, that that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's just not right. I've done it. I get away with it. <laughs> you could probably get away with it if you bring the Holy Spirit into the room. I mean, they still even talk to me. <laughs> and the Lord said unto the, to the servants, Go out and find those people in the hedges and everything. This is when they, they weren't coming in. So he says, Just go, go dig them up anywhere. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said in, unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And to whosoever does not bear his cross, yourself, you, individually, and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's telling you what you... He's drawing a line here. Don't go ask other people to carry your cross. You know, let's all do this together now because we got to... I think you should do things together. I think you should network and do things together. But you should be willing to walk that path alone even if nobody goes along with you questioning all the time you know wait a minute nobody's going along with me maybe i'm wrong you know take a look you're gonna to have to do some serious soul searching and that's going to take quiet and solitude and a little fasting and prayer now i say a little fasting because some people suddenly get on the kick where they're going to go without food for 40 days and 40 nights and i've seen a guy actually injure himself and he never really recovered from it because he overdid it Fasting isn't always about not eating food. Fasting from radio, fasting from tobacco, fasting from alcohol. Just something that you need. I mean, you know, like, uh, don't do like uh, Huck Finn, who was willing to give up eating persimmons, you know, because he felt guilty about all the watermelons he was stealing. But he's willing not to take any more persimmons for two reasons. He didn't really like persimmons, and they weren't in season now anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you're going to give something up, it's going to be something that you are addicted to and you have a myriad of addictions. And feel the pain of the absence 
of that thing you've always looked to for comfort and in the pain of that absence you cry out more to God so that's what fasting is really about it's not about fasting for persimmons for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it you have to realize what it means to become this he's talking about disciples here everybody should be seeking, seeking the kingdom it's not like oh see you know uh Count the cost now if you want to seek the kingdom. Well, to some degree that is true too because you, you have to realize what it means. But to be one of his disciples, that's because that's the ones who are building the kingdom. Now, Christ is building it through them, but they're going to take on an extra burden by becoming this disciple, this minister of Christ. Everybody has to repent and seek the kingdom. But not everybody has to be a disciple in the sense of a minister of his government lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all that behold it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish well of course Christ finished it is finished or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. In other words, we're not going to be in the majority here. We're going to need someone with a full character, full armor of Christ to be the disciples. These people have to be held to an absolute standard of righteousness. I hear of ministers who are sodomizing children and the congregation says we need to forgive them. Well, of course we forgive them, but we don't absolve them. We leave judgment to God, but we he can't be a minister anymore. There's a whole list of things that tell us who can be a minister and who cannot be a minister. There's a whole list of people are characteristics that we look for that we cannot allow in our ministers. And you'll find it in, what is it, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Also, you see a little bit of it in Romans, but in 2 Corinthians. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would that and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not. Lest there be debates. Well, discussion is one thing, but arguments over the basics, we shouldn't be doing that. Envying, you know, people being jealous of one another, wrath, strifes, backbiting, whispering, swellings, tumults, Backbiting and whispering. That's stuff that goes on behind the scenes where people are conspiring. They haven't been up front. You won't see that in the kingdom, in those who seek the kingdom, those who want to be uh, part of that kingdom. Without understanding, 
He goes on. Backbiting haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters. Now, this is Romans 130. This is Paul in Romans. Despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things. Inventors. That means like false accusers. Disobedient to parents. That's really an important thing, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covet, covenant breakers. Without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. It is not natural affection to weaken the poor. It is boastful charity. It is charity, oh, look, I helped this guy out. Oh, I helped this family out. I didn't really do them any good because all I did is prolong their agony by leaving them in the weakened state that they were in when I found them. But I look at uh, look at the great things that I did. Boastful, you know. And, and there's a problem with this because we want to show people the way that the kingdom is a charitable place, but we don't want to boast about it. We want other people. I was supposed to go to a meeting uh, with the local newspaper to talk to them about our woodcutting for a widow lady. We only have a couple widows, and most of them don't need help because <laughs> they get all these government benefits and everything. But we have one that doesn't, and uh, we cut her firewood every year. She uses a lot of firewood. And we put nine cords in her <laughs> woodshed, and then I don't know how much outside her door. She's still got to carry that all in. Uh, but... Uh, so, you know, we did that. Uh, a lot of the people from the church here uh, at the retreat went up and cut wire wood, and then local community people that I have Bible study with, uh, they they were there also cutting the firewood. And when we took the picture that you can see on our website, uh, you know, I think probably half the people that were up there weren't in the picture. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> excuse me. But anyway, uh, the thing is, is that uh, I didn't show up to the interview. <laughs> I, I, I was busy trying to put together, uh, figure out a way of putting together mobile restrooms for the retreat, uh, which we haven't figured out exactly yet. But we're still working on. It. We got some time. But anyway, without understanding covenant breakers, in other words, they make agreements and they don't keep them. Without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Implacable. There's an interesting word. You're not supposed to be implacable. So what does that mean to be implacable? Yeah, in, in uh, the Greek, uh, the word is uh, also uh, translated truce breaker. You know, someone who doesn't doesn't have an agreement, doesn't keep agreements. Uh, uh, so anyway, they. The fact is, is we can't, we're not to be a part of these. Uh, especially if they are the ones who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. We're talking about people who actually do these things and brag about them and boast about them. 
and hold them up as a badge that we are courageous because we broke the agreement. That's not kingdom. That's not Christ. That is not the Holy Spirit. We have to keep our agreements even if we see they are not to our advantage. And so that's why we need to be very careful about making an agreement. And this is a problem we've had here is that you know, we have guidelines in the church and they're laid out and they really are about giving power to the individual. But they're marking out the the boundaries of that power. You have the right to decide over this, everything about this, and control this. But, for instance, to give you an example, a minister is elected to a congregation that's in a particular area and that congregation wants to have some property that the minister can live in and the minister is fulfilling say all the other requirements that Christ gave and we can talk about those at another time uh, because he can't own any property to tell you the truth a true minister of Christ cannot own any property and he actually says that in the gospel right out of the mouth of Jesus they don't translate the word property but the, they translate the word had he must sell all he had but it actually means all his property because the Levites couldn't own property and neither could he neither could Hoses, who sold his property, laid the money at the foot of the apostles, and neither could Ananias, who sold his property but kept the money secret to himself. And of course, in those days, the money was gold and silver. Shortly after that, they started taking the silver out of the coin, but at that time, it was still that way. And he kept that, so he's keeping the property <laughs> in another form, but saying he wanted to be a minister of the church, and that's lying to the Holy Spirit, and then he ends up being dead and his wife ends up being dead and carried out but Hoses becomes Barnabas and he ends up being in charge of the funds when there is a dearth in the land and they need help why because they know he's not in it for the money he has given up his property and that's so important I don't know a lot of people don't understand that but right now the church is in bondage it can't even own property. It owns. It can barely hold a legal title without incorporating. It can. And we can show you how it can. Not only hold legal title, but actually, eventually, hold lawful title. But not for itself, but for Christ. And that's very important that you have a body to do that, because you've all gone into the Walden camp of the golden calf. Now you have to find a way out, and Moses showed. He says he called out the Levites, and they didn't have an inheritance in the land. They had land, but they, if if uh, a Levite died, any Levite could redeem that property. Any Levite could come back and claim that property, and that's that's so important to understand. See what happens if you have a congregation and the minister dies and he's holding the property for Christ as the church at such and such a place. Well, you have to have an overseer who can step in and say to the state when it tries to step in, no, you can't come in here. We have it. We got everything under control. Now, that that overseer, he can't take that property for himself, but he goes to that congregation and says to the congregation, hey, congregation, who do you want as your minister now? Oh, we want this minister. Okay. He's now in charge of that property. What happened if half the congregation wants a different minister? Now you got a problem. You need an overseer to resolve these issues. 
not where he gains anything. Now, he could take bribes, but that's where it comes back into your responsibility as that members of the congregation, the same as that uh, judge up there in Primeville. He was taking a benefit by keeping this guy's property without paying for it. And the congregation and the people said, oh, well, that's none of our business. We're just out here singing in church. No, in the congregation, each of you must play a part. And you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to learn how to get along. And if you don't have those righteous characteristics of virtue, you're not going to be able to do it. You will not do it. You cannot enter the kingdom without the character of Christ and the spirit of Christ dwelling in you. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That was 33. It's all part of the same thing. We're just reading right on down. For whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but that have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, how do you know your minister believes in him? Well, is he doing verse 33? Forsaking all that he had? You see, it's the preachers who owned all things in common. The people were to own the land. You were to return everything to, every man to his family and to his possessions. That's the prophecy of Christ. The ministers give up their right to possess in their own name and have a legal title within the church. But it is up to the people. Now, you remember, now, look, in the world, you have to pay taxes whether you like the guy who got elected or not. In the kingdom, you only have to pay taxes, tithing, we call them tithing, if he is in the service of Christ. And you have to decide that on a day-to-day basis. You tithe to them according to their service. If they're not doing a good job, don't tithe to them. Find somebody who is doing a good job. You see how the power is given back to the people in that form of government? It doesn't mean they're in the kingdom because they could be slothful. They could be, you know, this guy may be serving and they're not tithing to him. Well, then they're not going to make much progress. He's not going to have the tools to do the job. But if you are tithing to him and he's doing a good job, then give him more. If he's using it wisely, give him more. If you don't have that celebration of giving that Christ came with, don't expect a lot to happen in your favor. <laughs> Forsaketh not all he had. What are they talking about there? The word had. Huparkunta. It means possessions, goods, wealth property it's actually from a word that has to do with half but it's a combination word and that's why 
they, the church, the ministers, the church specific, the ministers, held all things in common. But within that body, you know, this church over here held that property. This church over here held that property. Every one of them were independent. They weren't a corporation where, okay, this guy does something wrong, and this guy over here has to give up his property to pay for his damages. You see, the Roman church, they want to control that property from a central authority so that when that central authority didn't do something about the child molesters, they could sue the whole bishopric. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about every congregation being independent. Every single uh, member of that congregation not being an unincorporated. You know, if you're in an unincorporated association and that association does something wrong, the whole, everybody who's a member can be sued. You know, and I've already seen this where they had a such a deal and somebody said something against gays and then that was considered hate speech and so they sued everybody who's in that association privately could sue them but in the congregations we form you couldn't do that you can't even sue the minister because he doesn't own the property either he's holding the property you see because he's marked out the boundaries of his congregation but where are the real boundaries they aren't found in these legal documents these legal documents won't guarantee your safety only the Holy Spirit will guarantee your safety I'm just giving you the form you need the flesh you're the flesh the congregation is the flesh and the sinew sinew is actually probably love but love comes through people and we're going to talk about that in this last half hour, exactly what that looks like. Because if you don't have the spirit of the kingdom, the form will do you no good. And this is why the bones, very interesting in Ezekiel's prophecy, God breathes into the bones before they come together, or as they come together, but before the flesh is on them. So that spirit has to be there in those bones. And then they struggle how to fit together. You don't chisel out those bones any more than you chisel out the stones of the altar. They have to come together and fit the right bone in the right place. And the Holy Spirit will shake out those bones and say, these bones aren't apart. And we will see those being shook out. Be not dismayed. Be of hope. Because the Holy Spirit is working, doing His job, which is essential for us. We are the Back in a moment. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me. LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Across the Border Productions 
embrace the little known, the greatest prophecy given by the great high priest, the once secret plan for mankind at the first sacrificial event. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion, because if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America, in prophecy, exposed for all to see. You must see it. The mark of the beast. No, it's not a biochip implant. A much better and more secure technology is already here, and you are already using it. We will bonus you with a free copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, when you send a support donation of $20 to First Amendment Radio. Visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation of $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California, or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the U.S.A. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy DVD. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. I see there was kind of a question in the chat room. I didn't get to read the whole thing about where do we get that uh, when Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, uh, how did we get that he was saying not a part of this government? And and that's a whole show in itself, and we got uh, more detailed uh, recordings and articles on that. But basically the word cosmos means according to Thayer's constitutional order or system of government. That's the way it's defined. And it's actually, if you look in the use of the word at the time, it came from the word comiso, which means to take care of. And, of course, that's why people form governments is to take care of them. Unfortunately, most governments make them sign contracts where 
they offer them welfare at the expense of their neighbor and what should have been uh, for their welfare becomes a snare and they become bound and even become collateral and human resources of that government uh, and they fall prey to the nimrods of the world who are mighty uh, hunters or providers instead of the Lord and they end up possessing them and they, like I say, become collateral for debt because usually these uh, governments spend more money than they have coming in. They go into debt to the bankers of the world, the traveling merchants of the earth, and we're all back in bondage again. But the word cosmos, that's what it means. It means an organized system. A, a, and it actually was originally used uh, before Christ uh, in the Greek text. Uh, it was used to define uh, soldiers marching in uniform and in line in in a union but it became used as uh, and like I say theirs defines it as a constitutional order or system of government and that's what it means and in the pamphlet uh, not of this world it goes into great detail and shows you the actual quotes from literature of the time from dictionaries of the time as well as from modern uh, dictionaries and how we come to that conclusion uh, also, the fact is that Pontius Pilate was trying to sit in the judgment seat and judge this man as if he was subject to it. And there's a whole history of why Israel was not yet subject to that type of judgment. They didn't really have a claim and power to decide who was the king, although that was their excuse of being there because they had been invited in first by Aristobulus and then by the Pharisees and we go into the history of that so that there should be no doubt by the time you read that pamphlet it may be contrary to what you've been taught before but show me where I'm wrong don't just say that's not what I was taught that's not a very good argument I know you've been taught lies everybody has been taught lies and I'm speaking in general here because I think I saw who it was who was asking that question and uh, uh, I don't know if the question was rhetorical or not but anyway uh, uh, that's very understandable. I see some people are trying to put some of the stuff up about that. But let's get back to this topic. Go ahead. If we have time, we'll answer any other questions that show up in the chat room. Um, what well, People talk about relationships, and that is very important because we know that marriage is a contract, and it's always talked about as if it's a contract and and your state marriages are a contract between you your spouse and the state they're a three-party contract but even that the agreement to marry under god where the state is not involved in that uh marriage relationship that husband and wife relationship and that's really the term that we need to use husband and wife capitalizing the word husband capitalizing the word wife it is a contract but the emphasis, and I'm quoting here right out of law books, the emphasis is not upon the contract, but upon relationship. Now, the word relationship, we think of relationship, uh, you know, we actually have somebody who was a minister for a long time, and, and I always thought of the woman that he came with as his wife, but uh, I've been informed in the last week or so that she always refers to herself as in a relationship. And... uh He's not a minister with us anymore anyway, So, but the fact is is they need to be professing themselves as husband and wife if they're going to be living together and wanting to be a minister of the church uh, because that's the relationship that we deal with. That is the relationship. 
the relationship is husband and wife, and they have to be married. And we don't require a state marriage. The church couldn't dare to require that. We require that they make that commitment as husband and wife if they are husband and wife, and not to beat around the bush on that subject. But anyway, uh, the point is is that this marriage, this union uh, before God, is a relationship, and that is what binds them. The contract is there, but the emphasis is on the relationship. Now, that concept of relationship is a lot more than just, you know, we like each other, we have this relationship. You've actually commingled, and this creates the relationship, that you are becoming one flesh, and you do that in a relationship, not simply by a contract. A contract cannot make you one flesh. It can kind of make you one person, but there's not the fulfillment of that union without the relationship. And INS looks at that all the time. People, you know, the green card marriage, you know, where the guy gets married just so he can stay in the country. The IRS want an IRS. INS wants to make sure that they are really married and they get them in separate rooms and ask them personal questions to find out if these people really are married and have that relationship. It's hard to tell that, but they, they try to figure out ways to prove that they really are married in this relationship. They, they have the contract. They see the paper, but they that's not what marriage really is. What marriage really is is a relationship. This is also true of a congregation. So you're wondering where was I going with all that. A congregation is a relationship, and I hear people use that word relationship. It's about relationships, and it is about relationships. But what kind of relationships? And here we're getting down to the meat of the spirit. What kind of relationships? Because the whole world has... Thieves and robbers have relationships. I mean, you want to talk about relationships, you know, go join the mafia. I mean, they'll kiss you on both cheeks. They got relationships coming out their ears. You know, go join the Jesuit order. They got relationships coming out their ears. They also have contracts, but they have relationships. So what kind of relationship are we talking about? Because we're binding the people not by contract in the congregation, but by celebration, and celebration of what? The celebration of the character of Christ. What is the character of Christ? One of the ways we define the character of Christ is by virtues. And if you if you look up the word virtue, you'll find all kinds of different lists of the seven virtues. You know, they always refer to seven virtues and seven vices, and vices are the antithesis. And you may learn more about what a virtue is by learning, studying the vices than the virtues. But one of the ones that you almost always see in lists of virtues is honesty. You keep your word. You say that you're going to do something, you do it. And you say what you're doing. You don't, do, it's not, when somebody needs to know the truth, you tell them the truth. You don't keep the truth a secret. You don't beat around the bush. You say it openly. Now, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you you're not honest. You don't uh, you don't tell it like it is. You don't you beat around the bush when you're asked a direct question." But it, you have to remember, we're not on a witness stand here. This is about a relationship. A witness stand is you've taken an oath, usually, 
on a witness stand, take an oath to tell the whole truth. Whatever question you are asked, you have to answer. If they ask a question, yes or no, you have to answer. At least that's what they tell you. And basically that's true, although there are exceptions to that. <laughs> and lawyers make objections all the time. I object, Your Honor. Uh, even though they asked a yes or no question, it may be for not for the purposes of obtaining facts about this particular case. But anyway, we don't want to use modern courts as a good example. But the point is, is you cannot force a person to answer yes or no. You have to... But you can ask a question and they give you an answer. That's an answer. And that answer has to be honest. And honestly, you don't have a right to force them to give any other answer other than the one that they choose. You could be unsatisfied with that answer, but it doesn't mean that they didn't answer. It just means you didn't, you wanted a different answer. But that's what you want. It's like people are always saying, well, you're not listening. No, I'm listening. And I hear other people uh, say that, uh, and, and to other people, they say, oh, they're not listening. Well, it looked like they listened to me. I mean, they responded. They seemed to understand what you were asking, but they disagreed with you. Uh, the people are confusing not listening with agreeing. They think that, well, if they listened to me, they would have to agree because they would understand what I was saying and they would agree with me. No, they listen to you and they think you're wrong and they disagree with you. They listened, and you're wrong in their opinion. Now, you may or may not be wrong, but that's as part of that working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to iron sharpens iron, and occasionally the sparks fly. Second virtue, honor. You know that not only are you you say what you're going to do, and you but you do what you say. You honor what you say. You know, if you say you're going to do this, you do it. And, you know, maybe you forget, maybe you overlook something, but you don't just say, well, I'm not going to do that. I said, yeah, I said I was going to do that, but I'm not going to do that. You're not honoring what you say. You're not, you're not honest in your deeds. Really, all these virtues come down to a couple of just basic things. Love thy neighbor as thyself. <laughs> and love God, which is righteousness with all your heart, mind, and soul. Another virtue that they talk about is self-sacrifice. You know, or charity. I mean, you, charity isn't charity unless you're actually giving up something and choosing to give that up. But self-sacrifice can go in a lot of other ways. That you're willing to hear somebody out. You know, you're willing to take your time and hear what they have to say. That's self-sacrifice because you gave up your time to listen. Okay, you know, I'm trying to come to the bottom of this. Uh, I want to listen and. Uh, you know, I'm willing to hear this out. I'm willing to take up my time, stay up till midnight, and try to respond and try to figure out what's going on and try to find a solution. That's self-sacrificing. Willing to listen. You know, if you cut off and say, I'm not going to listen unless you talk to me this way or that way or, you know, stand on one foot or call me. Uh, I'm not calling you. Uh, that could be all part of that. But then again... Uh, there may be reasons, and you have to work that out. And everybody, and that working that out shows that somebody's willing to give and take. You know, and the amount that somebody wants to take and take and take and take and take, well, that you have to draw a line. You know, they, it's it's two people working it out. 
it's not one person dictating everything. Unless, of course, there's an already a pre-existing agreement. It's already pre-dictated and you agreed to it. But then that goes back to that virtue of honoring. Honoring your agreement. Now, either you weren't honest when you said you were going to do it, or you're not honoring if you're not doing it. You see, those are not kingdom things. Those are those are not virtues if you're violating these concepts. Another one is diligence. You stick at it. Count the cost. Put your hand to the plow. Christ talks about diligence. Even the word study, to show thyself approved, the word there, study, is never translated study except that one place in the Bible. Everywhere else it's translated word like diligent. Be diligent. Stick to it. If you start it, finish it. If you say you're going to do something, continue. I mean, there might come a time where you couldn't finish it and you say, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this. I've sacrificed all kinds of time, but something else is, and please excuse me. And you try to work out, and and somebody should say, you know, uh, we understand. You you got to go somewhere else and do something else, and that's. But it requires you to be communicative and communicate, patient, and that's usually on the other side where that person says, I can't do this, uh, and you know, and you say, well, okay, we'll be patient, you know. We'll let let this go, and we understand, and we're forgiving. You know, patience and forgiveness are certainly part of. Uh, you know, if you put sacrifice, self sacrifice and patience together, I think you've almost come up with forgiveness. And then if you add diligence to that, then that is just all much much more great. Because all these virtues, you can't really separate them out. You know, he's honest, but he's not honorable. Well, <laughs> no. They, if he's not honorable, if he's not honoring what he said, then he's not honest. You know, it's they, they go hand in hand. And usually to honor what you said requires self-sacrifice. And to continue to do that requires diligence. And to do that over a long period of time requires patience. Loyalty. Loyalty to what? Again, when we talk about the mafia, they're loyal. Loyal to what? What are we seeking here? Are we seeking communion with each other or we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? That is our loyalty to righteousness. That is our loyalty to God, who is righteousness, in Christ the personification of righteousness. So that is where our loyalty goes. And the last one, they talk about humility. Well, we don't boast about it. We we admit wholeheartedly, I couldn't do these things without the energy of Christ that he gives me by grace alone. I couldn't have the energy to do these things. I couldn't have the diligence. I have to be made anew by his spirit because I can't figure this out on my own. I mean, how would I figure this out on my own? It has to be the leading of the Holy Spirit that does this, and to the Holy Spirit, all the credit must go. And people will test that, and they should, although they should do it in a righteous way. Most often the tests come by people who are doing it in an unrighteous way. But that's okay, too, because it gives me great opportunities for forgiveness and patience and long-suffering, which is love. You see? Now let's take a look at those vices while we have a little bit of time here. Avarice. 
Well, that's one of them that they list off. Uh, they talk about these as the seven deadly sins. Avarice, that's wanting, greed, covetousness. That I'm only going to help you if you help me. You know, I mean, look at the entire Social Security system is the most avaristic, covetous, greedy thing you can imagine. And that greed is permeated throughout society so that they is now bankrupting society and not only the existing society, but the society of tomorrow. Your children and your children's children are going into bondage because of your avarice. And avarice, again, now, if we're talking about vice and we're talking about virtue, virtue is the presence of the character of God in you. And I just talked about what those things would look like and what they would not look like. But that's what vices are. They're talking about what it would not look like. You can be covetous. You have to agree with me. You have to agree with me in this way. You have to respond in this way. You're dictating. You know, I'm going to take away your right to choose in matters that you have already accepted a responsibility for. I'm going to take away your responsibilities. But I'm going to keep everything the way it was before. That's covetous of another person's right. You see? Now, these things will all be overlapping. Lust. Well, they talk about excessive sexual desires uh, in Dante's criterion. They talk about uh, lust detracts from true love. But lust is what you want. You want it your way. You know, it's like that cohabitating without being husband and wife. That's lust. And But that will manifest itself in all kinds of indulgences, in tobacco and, or maybe alcohol. You know, you'll have a difficulty of that. But, you know, uh, uh, you know, pride is a lust. But anyway, lust is one of them. We're going to keep moving along here. Wrath and anger. You'll be angry when people aren't as charitable as you want them to be. You'll actually scold them for not being as charitable as... You know, I agree, everybody is not as charitable as they ought to be. And I may bring that up, but I'm not going to scold you for it. I'm just pointing out that if you're not, you can't get... The, care, uh, the the spirit of Christ, the power of Christ flowing through you until you have you're manifesting that character in charity. You cannot artificially do that. It has to flow. You know, I oh geez, I have to give again. Oh guys, I really should have. You know, I mean, I so, I mean that's not giving. You know, that's that's some sort of social emotional obligation. You just have to give. But it has to be coupled with all these other virtues. So what are some of the other things? Gluttony. It's always about you. <laughs> it's not just gluttony. It's not just food. And you want to be the center of attention. You want to eat up that attention. You know, I'd love not to be the center of attention in this. <laughs> but I have counted the cost, and I will pay the price. I would love just to go out and tend the garden all day long and uh, and watch the sheep and, you know, maybe write and share my thoughts with other people, but they got me running left and right and center because we have, I have failed. I have failed. I will admit this. There needs to be a test for our ministers of record. They need to take a test. And actually, it calls for that in the world. 
that there needs to be this process of testing. And we've done it in this relationship thing, but there's actually thousands of dollars sometimes dealing with uh, ministers are receiving donations. Uh, they're actually, uh, uh, we have one minister who, uh, uh, was, had access to approved funds being spent and he approved a thousand dollars to be spent on another minister and now they both are leaving. <laughs> and what happens with the thousand dollars? I just got. <laughs> When did they plan on leaving? Was it before they approved the $1,000 of church money to be spent? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they don't keep records either, which is required. <laughs> At least they don't show them. And uh, so, but we need to have a test where they go over the guidelines and that they really understand what the guidelines are saying. And, you know, it'll be an essay type test. And maybe some true and false or whatever. I don't know. We have, we have to write it up because people are not honest with themselves or with anybody else. They, yeah, I understand. And then you find out months later, years later, they don't understand. I mean, it's clear. I've had the, the, some of the sharpest legal minds in the United States <laughs> look over these documents and they just blown away by how clever they are put together and I didn't do it I I attributed all to the Holy Spirit and they have served us well and they didn't want to make a single change uh, but people read them and they're fairly simple and they just make up new rules and they just throw out old rules well we don't have to do that we can just do this <laughs> but absolutely contrary Envy and jealousy. Well, that goes back to that gluttony. Wanting to be the center of attention because somebody else has had people say, your shadow is too long. I tell you, if my shadow is too long, you stand up. Your shadow will get longer. You do. And your shadow will get longer. But I don't want people, you know, I'm not leading them to my shadow. I'm leading them to the light. And I will stand up and speak loudly to do that. And the light cometh to he that doeth the will of the Father. Go read John 3.15. And then keep reading to 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. He who doeth the light cometh to. If you ain't doing it, you're not going to see it. You're going to actually be blinded. And you're going to be doing these things out of envy and jealousy and sloth and laziness. You won't keep the records that you need to do. And you'll make up excuses why you don't need to send them in. And you'll say, oh, well, it's all his fault uh, because you it, that's all about envy. Blaming everything on everybody else. It's your fault. Everything I do wrong, it's my fault. Everything you do wrong, it's your fault. And I'm willing to take that. Now, I may have done things, not made things clear, and that's what I was just saying. I need to make these guidelines clear. You know, that's what we're doing here. But you, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing with anybody else, you need to make those things clear, too. And you need to be clear about it. But you need to go back to those virtues. And if you don't see those virtues, and that, this is why we have these lists about backbiters and truth breakers, we need to have those virtues of Christ in us. But we will not find our way to be. Until next week. May peace be upon your heart. Thank you.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. 